This, 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 this is mythical. Welcome, everyone, to Trevor Talks Too Much, the show where I put my gift of gab to the test, and no topic is off limits. I'm your host, Trevor Everts, master baker, mythical soft boy, and firm believer that a space age love song by flock of seagulls is the greatest song of all time to roller skate to Ooh! listen to that song and tell me that that isn't just the greatest song to put on a pair of skates and, and, and just glide around a roller rink I, I i dare you um today i spoke with joel stein who uh is really cool and funny and uh he didn't specifically request me to say this uh very handsome he's a handsome man uh, but he's a best-selling author. He's a former writer, columnist for Time Magazine. He's written in so many huge publications all over the U.S. Um, he's just a really smart, funny guy. Um, and we had a great time. We talked about all sorts of stuff. We talked about masculinity because uh, he wrote a book on it. Uh, we talked about the differences between the generations um, as he's a Gen X and I'm a Gen Z. And that was fun to get into. One thing we did talk about, but I don't think... It was before we started recording, we talked about Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. And I'm so sad that I didn't get to talk about it on the show because I wanted to see the look on his face when I told him that my go-to Dungeons and Dragons character that I've used for so long is a bard named Surreal Neil Diamond. Oh. Surreal Neil. Okay. My God. <laughs> Forever. <laughs> Jamie, Jamie, I'm going to explain the mechanics of Dungeons and Dragons to you here briefly. So there are things. How do you know I don't already know? That you don't. I don't. <laughs> there are things in Dungeons you so you can cast spells, obviously, um, but there are different levels of spells, and with higher level spells, there's there's a thing called spell slots. Mm -hmm. So you can only cast a certain number of spells before you take a rest. Um, that resets your spell slots because if you could just cast certain spells over and over, it'd be overpowered. So it's like you know yeah. when you're going on your adventures. You've only got these certain spells that you can cast a certain number of times. And the different levels have a different number of spell slots. But there are spells called cantrips. Cantrips are spells that you can cast as many times as you want all the time. But they're usually weaker spells. But for bards, there's a cantrip called Vicious Mockery. Vicious Mockery is my favorite spell in all of Dungeons & Dragons. Because the whole idea of the spell is that you're just slinging insults at someone. And, it, and you're slinging these insults... <laughs> And it makes them take damage and then also puts them at disadvantage. So when I'm playing Dungeons and Dragons and I am piloting Surreal Neil Diamond the Bard, I love it because every time we get into combat, I just get to fucking drop the gnarliest roasts on whoever we're fighting. And they just get so mad that they take damage and then they're at disadvantage. And it's just funny because, you know, when you're role playing... I actually have to come up with insults. So then I could just be fighting like a goblin and uh -huh. then I just have to drop some, some gnarly insult. Like your mother is a whore. That wasn't <laughs> That's a, gnarly. That was gnarly. <laughs> I couldn't, I, here's the thing. I'm not in character right now as surreal Neil Diamond. If I was, I would have come up with a better insult. Yeah, you have to be in character. But that was the best that I could come up with as Trevor Everett's. Um, but I yeah, feel, I, I feel like I'm, Joel would like that spell that's why i wanted to talk to him <laughs> about it because apparently he played D D 
like back in the 80s and I wanted to get into it. I wanted to see what kind of character, because I believe you can tell a lot about a person based on what kind of character they play in Dungeons and Dragons. I honestly wouldn't be surprised if he was also a bard enjoyer, because here's the thing. People that play bards in Dungeons and Dragons Uh are the coolest. Okay. Um, And are you saying that just because you also... No, I'm saying that because it's a it's a it's a bona fide fact that people that play <laughs> bards are the coolest. They've got the most swag, and they uh, everyone loves them. What um, do you think I would play as? Um, you seem kind of like a ranger. I feel like you maybe run ranger, maybe like a you could be like a good cleric. Okay. Yeah, you're a very supportive person. Yes. Um, oh, thank you. Cl- clerics generally, like, they are very good at supporting their party with spells that heal them and give them advantages and boost their damage, stuff like that. Um, Ranger, because, I don't know, you just also seem like you're you're very, uh, you, I, I feel like you have a good moral compass. Rangers generally are, like, you know, people with good moral compasses, uh, and they do a lot of good, and they're pretty badass. They're pretty kick-ass. Ah, cool. I've always wanted to play, just never had, like, a group. Yeah. That I could. Well, here's the thing. What you got to do is you got to find more friends that are losers. And then the 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 likelihood that they play Dungeons and Dragons becomes increasingly higher. Because <laughs> um, all my friends are nerds <laughs> and, and gamers. And I don't think you have enough nerdy gamer friends. No. No, I don't. Yeah, because I'm probably your only real nerdy gamer friend. I mean, my brother's my friend, and he's like a nerdy gamer, but in a different way than you, I think. Can you please stop talking about video games for two seconds so we can get into the show? I swear, it's like every day we come in here and we're trying to get into the show, and then Jamie's just rambling on and on about video games and gamer things. And it's crazy how much I just have to keep her in line so that we can actually get to the main portion of the show. Never get to have any fun here. Just kidding. We should get into Joel, though. Today on the show, I have Joel Stein, um, who is a very, very good... What was I... There was a word in my head that I was going to say. Handsome. Handsome was the word. Yeah, that was the one. Usually three Um, varies, but I'll take two. Yeah. Uh, no, Joel, Joel is an author. Uh, you've done columns for Time Magazine. You've written just about everywhere, I think. At no some one point. listening to this is going to know what Time Magazine is. No, they know. Really? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think it's I think it's well known enough. That, yeah, that people, people remember know. the past, right? Like if I said Life Magazine or yeah, yeah, yeah or uh, I think people have seen enough TV shows. Right. No, it's Time is a very it's all the, the Man of the Year thing. Person yeah. Of the year. Yeah. The person of the Year cover is uh, Person of the Year. Yeah. It's still a reference point. Definitely. And yeah. you see it a lot in like definitely like TV shows from like the early 2000s where mm-hmm. it'll just be like a copy like laying on a on a table enough that it's referenced enough that people know what it is. But anyway, yes, you're a writer. Where okay, so what where have you written? Because you've written lots of. No, places. I was at Time Magazine yeah. for like. Not, not exclusively, but I was basically there for 20 years writing okay. articles plus this first person column. Yeah. A uh, humor column. I had a gig writing a column for the Los Angeles Times for yeah. a few years. There was like a year where I wrote the back page of Entertainment Weekly. Okay. These were all periods when Time Magazine got rid of my column. And I had to yeah. find somewhere else to run them. Yeah. I started out at Time Out in New York, but I've, I've written for anyone who will pay me. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's good. 
That's a, I think that's a sensible way to make money and also do something yeah. that you enjoy. Yeah. yeah. I haven't found a better yeah. way. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Joel and I met because you tweeted something about asking if there was anyone that could help you out with uh, what the word simping means and to explain to you what simping is. Um, and then my boss, Josh, who you said you're a fan of. Um, oh, he's the one who, who suggested you. He replied to your tweet and like tagged me in it. Yeah. Oh, I didn't see that. That's interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He, he, he replied to your tweet and tagged me and was like, like Trevor's your guy. Um, so then I replied joke because I don't know when I first saw the tweet, I was like, yeah, I'll reply. But I didn't actually think that you were going to ask me what did I, and then later that day I was on a call with you and we talked for like 30 minutes about what simping means. Yeah. Um, which was lovely, lovely. And then after the 30 minutes, I was like, I want to have you on my show. Oh, you're very, like, very sweet. Um, so that's how we met. And now you're here in front of a microphone, in person. Who's gonna simp who? Whom? Well, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, we'll That's find out. That's to be determined, yeah. I think. <laughs> um, it was It was one of my better pieces. Did you yeah. paint me in a good light or did I look like a buffoon? Oh, wow. So I never answer that question for people because what I've learned even since I wrote articles in college is I'd write something that I thought was really kind of harsh or picking on someone. Yeah. And they'd love it. And then I'd write something that's really positive about someone. I once wrote a piece about like Zach Braff when, yeah. when that what was that movie about New Jersey? Uh, Garden State yeah. came out. And I love that movie. I'm from New Jersey. I had a great time with him. I wrote a really positive profile, but I had like one line about him, I don't know, being a cocky bastard or something. <laughs> and he got so furious. No. Yeah, so I just never know if people like what I I just really? can't predict. I would be pretty happy if you called me a cocky bastard. I did not call you a cocky bastard in the beast. Probably <laughs> called me a, like I talked to this dumb idiot kid that about this dumb idiot word yes. that shouldn't exist and is really stupid. And here's what he told me. <laughs> um, no, the whole piece was, um, how, how Web3 crypto familiar are you? Not. Okay. So- you don't know what DAOs are. Okay. I've heard the term. Okay. Don't know what it means though. <laughs> so a, a DAO is a, uh, basically a way to create like a corporation where there's no one in charge and everyone can just vote and, mm. and, and buy share. You know, you basically yeah, yeah. buy shares and all that. So this woman, Irene Zhao, created Irene DAO for people to simp her, but they could own the simping. Oh, uh, so I talked to Irene and I bought and you have to, so in order to do this, you have to buy into the, the DAO, but you do that by buying an NFT of Irene Zhao. Okay. So I had to like buy this NFT and now I can vote on what the DAO does. But anyway, it's all about simping and it was all insane. And that's what I was calling you about. That just sounds like OnlyFans with extra steps. Yeah. Like, yeah, with no nudity. Um, oh, well then yeah. what's the point? <laughs> yeah. Um, I think financial somehow, like if you, so in other words, like, when I was a kid, there was still like Tiger Beat magazine. Yeah. So if you could like make money by being a fan of Kirk Cameron, <laughs> <laughs> that's what this concept is. Wait, that's, um, I should do that. Yeah. I want people to invest in me uh, to show the, how big of a fan they are. Yes. Mm -hmm. that's And then great. they can buy and sell their fandom. Yeah, others. no, yeah. but I'd like them to buy it, give me money, and then See, I take all the money. Is that what's a, a, what no. a rug pull is? <laughs> that. The, the, the rug pull is when rug pull is much simpler. Rug pull is when I know so much about Web three right now. The rug pull is when you basically start a little project, yeah, and then you promise something and you run away with the money instead. Yeah, no, that's what I want to do. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a plan. <laughs> that's what I want to do. That's I a classic plan. That's basically like Ben Affleck boiler room. That's yeah, that's always been a good plan. I want that's Ponzi. Yeah, yeah. I would love to be like at the starter of a Ponzi scheme. I think 
I think that's what I, I really don't. missed out on this. with this whole crypto thing and <laughs> NFT thing. It's like, 100% disagree. I think it's the dumbest thing ever, but it would be kind of nice to just make a ton of money by just lying to people. No. Oh my God. I thought about it when Madoff happened. I, the, <laughs> the stress of that seems, I mean, I guess if you're like a Trumpian figure and you like live off of conflict and that just feels yeah. you, but that's, I know from listening to you oh, and no, your struggles would, with anxiety I, I and depression. Never do that. <laughs> no, it just sounds like the most stressful horrifying <laughs> i wouldn't want a day of that joel just said you seem way too depressed to take advantage of people <laughs> oh God, i listened to your episode on depression really so that that episode seems so gen z to me yeah which was not because so gen z seems so nice and careful and yeah. kind and i love that and and really open and interested in mental health yeah and demands that from their workplace that they yeah. acknowledge that and that's Wonderful. The ten percent I, that I I'm not as down with was the caution which which you talked about. It. Yeah, it was it was not just that you were um, the fact that you are addressing this and acknowledging it. I thought was and kind about it. That every time you said something, you were like, I, I know this might affect these people. Or, yeah, that was wonderful. But when you actually talked about what you were going through, it was so cautious. It was yeah. like Gen X was so. Um, blunt and and aggressive with, yeah with, you know with that, that i think that caution comes from like like inside myself though i think it was just yeah. something that i hadn't talked about openly before even mm. in my own personal circles like i'm really bad about talking about how i feel um to like even my friends and so for me to get up here in front of a mic and then blast this on the internet to whoever wanted to hear i think for me that was like a very weird thing to do um, and a very difficult thing to do. So I don't think it was caution out of like, I'm worried that someone is going to take it the wrong way, but more of like me feeling like, I don't even know how to say these things because I don't talk about these things. No, that's what it felt like. But <clears throat> so you're saying maybe like by the time you got to the write your Prozac nation, you'd have talked about this enough times where you could talk more openly and bluntly about some of the stuff. Yeah, I think so. I think it would take more therapy, <laughs> yeah. which I'm working on. Um, Did but you I, go to therapy? Yeah, yeah. How was it? It was great. It was, um, yeah, it was, she was very, she was older. Uh, she was very experienced, it seemed. Like, she knew what she was doing. It was nice because she, like, definitely made me feel very comfortable. And, like, when I was talking, she just let me talk. And then I would get to a point where, like, I didn't know what to say. And she would prompt me with questions. Um, because I didn't know I'd never been to therapy or I hadn't been to therapy since I was like a junior in high school and I didn't want to go. That wasn't like a willing thing. <laughs> um, so when I was at therapy in high school, I kind of just didn't say anything. Um, but I was like, I don't know what to say. I don't know if this is going to be like a question and answer thing, if she's going to want to ask me questions. Um, but she was really great and seemed very knowledgeable. And she gave me some like actionable things to do throughout the next week. So I have another appointment next week. Um, and she like gave me, here's the things that I want you to do. I got some therapy homework, but yeah. And then there were some things like, uh, cause I talked about how I have a very negative self image and she was like, it makes sense that like, because the way that brains work and you, once you do something for a long enough time, your brain does it automatically. Like the mm -hmm. neurons fire. It's like, it's like when you have a job for a long time, like when I was working at a bakery in LA, was I, Dominic Ansel or yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I was making croissants every day and I would make hundreds of croissants and it got to the point where I'd done it so many times that my brain just turned off. Like I would just sit there and I would listen to music or a podcast or whatever, an audiobook, And like my hands were making croissants, but I wasn't focused on what I was doing. Like it, I'd just done it so often that it became this thing. And our brains do the same thing with the way that we think about ourselves. So when I've spent so much of my life having a negative self image, my brain is automatically going to do that whenever it can. And apparently to break that, 
you have to actively do something that you're not comfortable with or don't know how to do so that you're forcing your brain to be focused on instead of like being in that like kind of zone where you're not you don't have to think about what you're doing you're forcing your brain to think about what it's doing in order to break those like those neural transmitters for like, just so what what do you have to do like jump out of a plane or something or what no she she <laughs> said is there any like hobby that you oh. want to pick up like or, or something that you've wanted to do that you're not familiar with so i got back into playing guitar i was gonna say it has yeah. an instrument, right because that takes full concentration yeah and i i played i used to play the mandolin in high school um, oh man! You, between that and the Dungeons and Dragons, yeah, you pretty must have big been loser. Breaking it in with the chicks. Oh, <laughs> you better believe I was. Wow! Um, Thank God you learned to bake. It <laughs> 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 was your only way out. I, I, you know, I wonder why they thought I was gay in high school. Oh yeah, I wonder I, why. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? It was funny because in high school, everyone. Like the people would spread rumors about me being gay, but then they'd also spread rumors about all of the girls that I was hooking up with. Oh, interesting. They couldn't pick one. Like I would hear people talk about like, oh, did you do this with this girl? And then I'd be like, no. And then also I'd hear rumors about me being gay. And I was like, I don't get it. Can well, you you're just a, pick you one? You know what? It makes sense to me. You're a, uh, you're a, <laughs> <laughs> you're a handsome man, oh, thank but, you. but in that, um, you're not a ruggedly handsome man. You are no. like in that Leonardo DiCaprio way where it's like girls really like that. Yeah. Because especially girls, I use that instead of women, but women like it too. But girls at that age are, it's kind of like a pretty non-threatening. Yeah. Handsomeness. Yeah. Like um, I, like I belong in a boy band. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you I would could totally to be band. in a boy band. You'd be I, playing your mandolin. I wish I was in a boy band. Oh You'd be my covering God. whatever Zeppelin songs are about Gollum and the evil one. Yeah. <laughs> Being in high school when One Direction was at its peak was like so hard for me because I was like, I could do that. I could be in a right. boy band. That would be the greatest <laughs> gig ever. Oh my God. Having someone else write the most generic songs, uh, like generic love yes. songs ever. And all you have to do is like get up on stage and dance and sing and make millions and Can millions you dance? of dollars. No. Okay. Okay. No. I used to be pretty good at swing dancing. You, oh, you did hey. swing dancing? Yeah. I actually used to do swing dancing in high school. I completely forgot about that. When you grow up in Idaho and you go to a mm. small private Christian school, you, oh you got to find ways to, to have fun. What and flavor Christian? Uh, non, it was non-denominational. Oh, okay. Yeah. It wasn't like a, wasn't like Presbyterian. Is that a, is that a denomination? That, that wouldn't yeah. be the one in Idaho mm -hmm. probably. Yeah. Joel, you wrote this book that I have here. I wrote that a while ago. Man-made. Like yeah, because how, how old is your son now? He had his bar mitzvah a couple weekends ago. Nice. Wait, what age is, is the bar 13. mitzvah? 13. That didn't come up okay. in the Idaho Christian school all the time? No. Okay. I knew it was around that age. <laughs> uh, I, you know. I didn't have a bar mitzvah, so. Where did you come up with the name Laszlo? We, my wife and I, had settled on Levi. I'd okay. written an art, a column about how to name your son. So they're a professional like consultants oh, you can hire. Okay. <laughs> so they, they taught me some useful stuff. Um, it was basically about, I'm going to screw this up with uh, dactyls, like all that, all that's that Shakespearean things. Basically yeah. you want like some kind of iambic. Yeah. I'm using all the wrong terms, but you want stressed, unstressed, stressed. Unstressed. Yeah. So like my name sucks. Like Joel Stein. It's yeah. like, it's just an attack. <laughs> um, <laughs> attack on Christianity. Yeah. And then, um, <laughs> They need it. <laughs> so, so we knew we wanted like, we were stuck with Stein, so we wanted like a two syllable stressed, unstressed. Okay. So we were set on Levi and then we were watching a movie, um, Breathless. And there's a part of Breathless where he signs in, is that the name of the movie? Where he signs into a hotel and he uses the name Laszlo Kovacs, which is actually the name of the cinematographer on the movie. Okay. And my wife was like, Laszlo. 
And she's like, too many people are going to be named Levi. Yeah. So then we went with Laszlo. We I, love, with Levi. I love the name Laszlo because have you seen what we do in the shadows? Well, yes, because Laszlo's, my son's a little pissed off about it because he Laszlo kinda, Cravensworth? Yeah. The greatest? <laughs> yeah. One of the greatest characters in yes. television? Yeah, he's furious about Oh this. my God. I would kill to be named <laughs> Laszlo Cravensworth. I mean, obviously your son's name is Laszlo Cravensworth, but when I first, when I was reading the book yeah. and the name Laszlo, all I could think about was... I'm in the mood for some sexual intercourse and just his That's whole character. Yeah. His whole character yep. is just, Matt, I love Matt Berry. I think he's one of the funniest people ever. I let people vote online on four names uh, before, you know, when my wife was pregnant. Yeah. I did a Time Magazine poll and Laszlo came in dead last. <laughs> <laughs> but she went for it anyway. <laughs> I love it. I think it's great. I, if only because I love what we do in the shadows. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so if you had another son, would you name him Nandor the Relentless? Um, like, uh, is this the kind of son I have like on the sly with a different woman and I don't tell anyone about, or is this just like with my wife? With your wife? No, I would not. On the sly? For sure. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Good. I'll take it. No, I, I, so I've been reading this book. I started reading it, I don't know, probably earlier this week. Um, Very nice. But I love it because you have, you have put into words like everything that I've felt in my life about not being like the stereotypical manly man. Um, and I think it's great. So this book for everyone out there that I'm holding up, and if you're listening to the audio version, you can't see it, but it's called Man Made. And essentially the reason you wrote it is because you found out you're going to have a baby boy and you had this like existential crisis about the fact that you weren't manly enough to raise a son. Yeah, no, for sure. I would, uh, and, and my wife comes from hardier stock than me. So yeah. the odds were, although my dad's pretty masculine in a lot of ways. Yeah. I just figured I couldn't handle raising a boy and I kind of freaked out. And you know, I didn't have the vocabulary that like the trans movement has given me yeah. about gender. Yeah. So like I, I had a vague, cause like honestly before the trans movement, there was, it was very hard to separate gender from uh, sexuality. Yeah. So like the, like even when you were talking about being in high school and people thought you were gay, like there was no way to, to like talk about a gender spectrum versus like a sexuality spectrum. Yeah. Cause I didn't feel uh, particularly gay at all, but I didn't feel nearly as manly as I, as other guys. Yeah, no, I mean, my, my dad was like, see, here's the thing about my dad. He's like this weird hybrid because my dad owns a cigar lounge. They're all weird hybrids. Every man you meet in that book is not yeah. the manly man. They, like they all have hybrid no, nature. No, I literally- I'm I, sorry, but your dad owns a cigar store? But yeah, he like owns a cigar lounge. He's like a huge like scotch guy, like has an, an unreal scotch collection, but he's also like totally not a manly man. Like he plays poker, but he, he, he hates, he used to hunt and camp a little bit when he was younger, but now he's like, he refuses to go, like he would not sleep in a tent. He does not want to go do anything like that. He's very pampered and he loves like, you know, all of his extremities and amenities and stuff. Um, so like growing up, his he never- His arms and legs or what is he? Like all of his <laughs> like things, the things around him that make his life easier, yes. you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, and so like when I was growing up, he didn't force me to do anything I didn't want to do. He didn't like, he wasn't yeah. like, you have to play sports. You got to play basketball. You got to do stuff like that. And growing up, he was never like, you know, he, he didn't raise me to be like, you have to be like a man, you know, he was never like that. And so I grew up not doing that and not really caring. And I've never been insecure in my masculinity, um, which is probably why a lot of people in high school thought I was gay. Um, but it was so fun to read this book. And just like see who go around to all these people who you assumed were like, these are the manliest men that I can find and I want to spend a day with them. And there was a part that I bookmarked 
not well. It was like just a sticker, I think, that I bookmarked it with. It, that's the manliest way to bookmark a book. <laughs> was it a puffy or like a scratch and sniff? Do you or? want to see the sticker that I, I bookmarked do. it with? I don't even understand that sticker. I don't either. Um, we buy a lot of weird shit on eBay. <laughs> who's, the, who's the we? Uh, like our department. Okay. Um, like the culinary department. We buy a lot sure. of stuff on that eBay. It seems like an important part of the job. And sometimes it's like candy that you can't find in grocery stores, stuff like that. Oh, and then okay. eBay sellers will sometimes like give us extra gifts because oh. they're like, thank you for buying from us. And so one of them was just a ton of stickers. So that's one of the stickers. Wow. Uh, Proud to have that in my th- book. This might not even be the right bookmark. <laughs> Uh no, it's not. Hold there's, on, there's, I'm gonna find it. Here's the thing: there's not a bad page. No, there's so not. it doesn't matter. I haven't read a bad page yet. <laughs> um, and it's so funny. I like it's. I don't know that I've ever like read a book and like genuinely laughed out loud while oh. I was reading it. You're an amazing author. Wow, thank I you. really enjoy reading. I can't. Did it happen? What? Were you soft resetting? It did. <laughs> Sorry, my brain shuts off every once in a while. Wait, what? I just you like I'll start talking reset. about something and then I just like lose the words and it takes me a few seconds to get back. But to are what you I'm thinking saying. about something else or what happens in those times? I don't know. But like are you just like are you are you desperately searching for a word or are you in thinking about something entirely different or just not thinking? No, I just like blacked out for a few seconds. What do you mean blacked out? Like my brain just turned off. But what does that feel? What does it look like in your eyes or what does it feel like in your head? Uh, I don't know. I just kind of like zoned out. I'm not like looking at anything specific. It was kind of just a, I see everything and then like there's no thoughts. Interesting. <laughs> now. It presents like narcolepsy. Sure. So you just like, I think it's like if I lose to do it. if I lose a thought in my head sometimes uh-huh. like I'll be trying to say something and then I'll lose the thought in my head and then like my brain doesn't know how to catch up so it just kind of stops for a few seconds. And then how does it reboot or what happens? Usually Jamie says something and then But how long would you have gone if no one said anything? Another few seconds maybe. Okay. And then what and then you pop back in and for you time has not gone on. No, time's gone on. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, are we here right now? This is you fascinating. care about my brain farts? I don't know. I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of things wrong with my brain. No, no, I didn't mean it like that. It was just interesting. It didn't, it wasn't. Uh... No, but I think there are lots of things wrong with my brain. Do you really? Like. My, well, my psychologist said she thinks I might have bipolar too. Oh. That was what she thinks I might have. Do you have like truly manic episodes where you don't remember things you've done and like? Well, that's the thing about bipolar two is uh, bipolar two. Yeah, oh, that's a, there's a sequel. Yeah, there's a sequel. There's actually four. There's a whole cycle. Um, I think is what it's called. Oh, um, and does one cycle through them or one just has one? No. So bipolar one is like you said, like these very like manic episodes, and then you'll have these kind of little depressive lows. But bipolar two is the opposite, where you have like. Some like slightly manic episodes, whatever, you'll have these moments of, of kind of manic, but the depressive lows are these really big depressive lows. So it's just kind of the opposite. Oh, I had thought, and I don't know much about this at all. I thought most people who are bipolar have, have occasional manic episodes, but, but often have much, much more of their life is spent in the, in the depressive mode. Yeah. I don't know too much okay, about it. Um, but I just started researching it because she said she thought I might have it. But yeah, basically what she said is, yeah, you'll have like these kind of little, because I think she she kind of explained it as like you you kind of go along in your life in this straight line. And then people with bipolar one will have these like manic highs, like these manic episodes. And then they'll come down and they'll go into like a small depressive swing. And then like there's 
whatever period of like normalcy goes on and then it'll happen again. Bipolar 2, she said, is more like you'll have like a, a little bit of a manic episode or kind of that feeling of mania. And then you'll have these very big depressive swings that last longer. Um, and when you were told this, was that uh, scary or relief or how did, I mean, not that you've been diagnosed or anything, but just how did the, the potential of this diagnosis feel? No, I mean, it made sense okay. based on the fact that like up until probably like last Thursday, the month before last Thursday was probably like one of the worst months of my life yeah, from a that. mental health state. Um, yeah, I just felt like this giant hole that I was in for like a month. So, and, but it, that, another thing she says, it doesn't necessarily, usually because she said she thinks I don't have major depressive disorder because usually with major depressive disorder, you can kind of point to something that's triggered an episode um, or there's something that happens that causes it. Um, but with me, it's like, I could just wake up one day and be like, this is the worst day of my life for no reason. Like nothing happened. Everything's fine. And then like, I just wake up one day and it's like, and are you lucid enough to be frustrated by that? Or are you just are in it and you feel it and there's no, I'm yeah, I think I'm lucid enough to be frustrated by it. It is annoying. I've definitely had that thought before. It's like, I just wish I knew what was wrong so that I could fix it. And it wasn't just happening for no reason. Um, but I also do have like pretty severe memory loss like associated with those like depressive episodes. Like I'm a terrible memory when it comes to things that kind of happen in those low swings. There's so many like truly creative, brilliant people who've, who've had five, I mean, you know this. Yeah, I mean, Robin Williams is like Robin one Williams. of my heroes. Like yeah. growing up, I love Robin Williams. And apparently the nicest, everyone yeah. I know who's worked with them, just the nicest guy. Yeah, um, and just to think that someone that like brought that much joy to people could be going through that, like who seemed and presented as like the, one of the funniest and happiest people ever, and then could be going through that like behind the scenes. It definitely like makes sense. Yeah, not to compare myself to Robin Williams, but like I get that. I think there. This is something I've been thinking about since I, you know, had the the session. Was like I feel like I tend to channel the more manic energy into my job and what I do. Sure. Like when I go and I shoot a video with Josh or do whatever, do this show, like I tend to take the all of the energy that I have and the manic energy that comes with that and I push it into work yeah, because that makes me seem version. super happy and yeah. excited. And then that leaves me in the moments when I'm at home or not at work to just be in this like hole of just like, I feel like I have no energy and I feel like just a husk and there's no emotions inside me. So I could see for like, if that was what Robin Williams struggled with or like I could see how he would make these things like where he, he comes across as this very happy and fun and, and funny person. But manic. But manic. Clearly, and manic, then yeah. to go when he's not doing that in his personal life to just be in just a hole. So. Oh, it's funny. I'm sure you're right. I had always thought of it as like the opposite. That when you're in a manic state, you are... Um, thanks to all the energy you just want to create stuff yeah so you're either painting or performing or whatever it is and then when you it's i thought it was less of a, cho of a choice to channel energy and more just like when you're like this you want to do this and when you're not feeling that you don't do that yeah that was because when she asked me to research it i i was like i don't feel like i have manic episodes like when i was reading through like what it is i was like i don't feel like i really do that i don't have these spurts of like super high energy and stuff like that and then i was like Actually, that's probably not true. I think I just channel that in a different way. And they're maybe not as extreme as some of the cases you were reading where people have yeah. several day manic episodes where they like, you know. Yeah. Just don't spend sleep, a ton of money, don't sleep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
I like, I don't feel like I have that, but I was going to ask her about this next week. Actually, I was going to be like, do you think that I could be taking that kind of energy and just funneling it into my job? Because there's definitely times when I'm doing a cooking video with Josh that I feel like I'm going insane where I'm just like, wow. I feel like a psycho. <laughs> like, like you're I'm not in control. Doing, like I'm just yeah. doing crazy things. I'm super high energy and I'm like losing my mind, like whatever. So yeah, definitely something I'm going to talk to her about. But well, on one hand, like congratulations for like finding a, a, a great vehicle for that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. most, I bet most people don't. Yeah. No, I, I, it is nice to know that the, the energy that I have, what would be considered probably neg as a negative right. part of like, what's going on in my wouldn't head. go well in the bakery. Yeah. No, 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 no. It's nice to have that outlet yeah. to uh, make something hopefully funny. Um, I haven't even read this piece of paper, Jamie. You're fine. You don't need to. You're, you guys are fluidly talking. What's it? So <laughs> that's the goal? No, every, every guest I have on Jamie will write like a large Google doc. Really? Of, like, I, I'd like to read it. You want to read it? Yeah, it's probably like, don't talk to him about his parents. All right, go ahead. All See right. if there's anything in there you want to talk about. No, there's just like, I try to like look no, for random things. you did a things. good job. You did a lot of prep. Don't know. She does a lot of prep and then like, depending on the guest, I'll either in go the... down point by point mm -hmm. trying to make conversation happen. Like if someone is just not a good conversationalist, yeah. I'll have to like constantly go through it. And then sometimes I'll have someone on and I just never look at it. I love You're your question. You're giving it back to me. <laughs> Thoughts on Gen Z as a Gen X. Well, well you got, already did I that. I feel like you already did that. Yeah. I did read the article that you wrote. Yeah, that article isn't the one. So I wrote a cover for Time Magazine called the Me, Me, Me Generation. Yeah, that was about millennials, though. Uh, oh. And yeah, I'm not a millennial, on, so I don't care. It's oh, on the page. They got pissed <laughs> off. <laughs> I'm so a millennial. I, it's, so I've written you things. Pissed? No, I think it was the pretty thing, accurate. <laughs> the things I've gotten in trouble for writing were things I didn't see getting in trouble. And every time I've worried that something I wrote was going to have a big backlash, it didn't. Yeah. It just, and then everyone. Post facto was like, well, you knew when you wrote it. Like, I just heard two very smart people say, like, Salman Rushdie must have known when he wrote, um, you know, that that would really piss off uh, Muslim clerics. Yeah, and I was like, he probably didn't. Yeah, like people write things all the time, and they the backlash is sort of random. Yeah, but that gen, I did not know as a member of Gen X that millennials felt about their millennialness like a true identity. Yeah. And that they would be angry at people who said anything negative about their tribe. Yeah. I also didn't quite understand how connected people were to their identity groups. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that, and that gen, and that, you know, being of a generation was one of them. It's also yeah. like, I wish I'd spent more time in the article explaining this basic fact that generations are different from each other. Yeah. Because young, it's very hard to see that when you're young. You're like, I'm sure everyone was like that when they were this age. Yeah. And, and generations are like, if we went to go talk to someone from, you know, the late 18th century, we, we'd have, we wouldn't understand their honor system. We wouldn't, it would just, it's, it generations. It's not just technology, it's ideas and yeah. things just change radically. Yeah. I, I like to consider myself in most areas of my life, a nihilist, but like a, a positive nihilist. Like, yeah. like I love nihilistic positivity where it's like, what's yeah, an example of that? Like, for example, when, when people talk about generations, because I'm known as the young guy at the office. Okay. Um, how old is the old guy at the office? I don't know. Rhett and Link, how old are they? <laughs> Mid four. I think they're Gen X. Okay. Um, yeah, they're oh, definitely really? Gen X. But oh, okay. I, I, for a long time, uh, when I first got hired here, I was 20. Mm. And so wow. I was definitely the young person, like the youngest full-time employee. Um, I still think I am one of the youngest people here. I don't know since a lot of people have gotten hired and I don't ask people how old they are when they get hired because that's weird. 
Um, but I've definitely been kind of painted as like, oh, Trevor's like the Gen Z kid in the office. And when they have questions about stupid things on the internet, it's like, oh, Trevor, what does poggers mean? And then I have to explain it. And I sound like an idiot as I explain it. Poggers is Pepe the Frog doing the pog What's up? Phase. Why is, okay, so Pepe the Frog became the, the alt-right guy. No. He was he, for a while. Pepe is not the... Uh, he was, so many, 100%. So many in 2016. millennials and Gen X people say that Pepe the Frog is like an alt-right symbol that is now so he's not. fake. No, Pepe I assure is, you, in 2016, no, no, he's I'm, in a, I'm in a room for three days with Milo Yiannopoulos. All it is is Pepe the Frog. <laughs> if for a moment during that election... He was the symbol of the alt-right. And then- no, that's to the my... same people that are like, the okay hand is the symbol of the alt-right. Like people doing the okay hand. Like it's just like some weird, no, like I... clickbaity, like witch hunt thing that no, people No, I'm telling to... you, they owned this guy. This <laughs> no. guy was everywhere. It's with... because the Pepe the Frog is just so big in meme culture that like right. but everybody's so did that... gonna use it. Uh, but I'm telling you, they owned him and they owned that gorilla. For a minute, Harambee. They owned Harambee. They took this stuff. But then, to my shock, they lost it again. They weren't able to hold on to it. Now Pepe's back to just being everywhere. There, there is actually there is actually something that we were talking about before we got on the poggers tangent. It was you're talking about generate you were trying to give an you, example of positive nihilism. Yeah. Positive I, nihilism. Yes. Where was I going with that? Yes. So That's is that the are. it's the end of the world as we know it and I feel fine? Like it's, what's the it's more <laughs> of the like like for example, all the generations, like there are people that get like very absorbed in the identities of generations. But for me, it's like yeah, there's really stupid things about my generation, Gen Z. There's things that suck about millennials. There's things that suck about Gen X. There's things that suck about boomers. Like every generation has some aspect of them that sucks and is why probably there's so much like combativeness between the generations is because we've all identified that thing about them that we don't like. And so we latch onto that. Mm -hmm. But we're all just people like doing our best. And like just because I was born like 15 years later than someone else is that really a reason for me to like dislike them just because of when they were born? Like, was this is positive nihilism? Yeah, it's like everybody sucks, but like I'm, oh, we're I all see. just okay. people doing our best. All right. Almost everyone I meet, I think, is kind of awesome. Yeah. Um, so I'm really optimistic about people. I just think it, it's hard to organize in ways. That I would improve say life. I'm optimistic about people. I I, I don't want to come across as that I think everybody is a shitty person because I don't, and I think a lot of people are really good. I'm more I'm more in the in the camp of like I feel like there's nothing that I can do to change the way anything works. Right. But that's also the Hannah Arendt argument, which is like the world falls apart not because bad people did things, but because good people did nothing. Yeah. It's just hard to see what you can do sometimes. Like it is like what is the as a 23-year-old living in California, what can I realistically do? to actually like i i I don't think it takes much i think it's the same thing like when we talk about toxic masculinity it's just like when you're in those conversations and someone says something wrong is having the guts to like tell them that's not cool yeah like i don't which i do i don't think it takes if you if you set the bar as heroism like then you're not going to do anything yeah but if you set the bar of like not accepting things you know are wrong or not just like being party to it yeah i think I think that's a, a important. Well, I think, and stuff. that was kind of like circling back. I think that was what I was trying to say in the first place was that like I don't feel that there's anything that I can do on a big picture scale. Yeah, I don't feel like I have any power, so I'm going to do my best to just be a good person and enrich the lives of people around me and do what I can to make other people's lives better. Yeah, but I think that's not necessarily um, 
I think that requires, and I'm, I'm, if I go to therapy, and I'm not right now, I've been, <laughs> but it's about being socially anxious in a very specific way, which yeah. is being afraid of confrontation in all parts of my life. Yeah. So, so I, I just have to kind of always remind myself that there's some things I shouldn't just not say anything about. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. I, it's hard. It's for me, it's really hard for some people. I know it's not, but yeah, my goal in my life has always just been to be as kind as possible to people and to make people feel as loved as possible. And I think that probably stems from when I first started struggling with mental illness is like when I went through a time in my life where I felt like, like nobody loved me, even though that wasn't true. I had plenty of people around me that loved me and cared about me, but I felt like there was no one there and that I was completely alone. And since then I've always wanted to do my best to just make people as happy as possible and make people feel as loved and included as possible. Yeah, which isn't easy. This was good. Not a lot of people- Is this what you do on dates? Do you talk about it being good afterwards? Are you that guy? Yeah. All right, yeah. Yeah, how was it for you? Was it good for you? It was good for me. Yeah, there's a lot of that after a date. I always didn't like doing that after a date. Yeah. I felt like you just (laughs) both had to say you had a good time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you want to do it again sometime? I had a great time. Uh, Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, we'll go to Tony's, wet Tony's. Little Tony's. (laughs) Wet Tony's. Well, everyone, thank you. This has been Joel Stein, author, funny person, a, a handsome-looking fifty-one-year-old man. Finally, um, <laughs> was that hard? It was so hard for you to say that. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't. Uh, he has this book, uh, Man Made. He also has another book called In Defense of Elitism. Uh, I haven't read that one, so I cannot speak to it, and I'm not going to plug anything that I Good haven't personally read and audited. I've read it, so I can plug it. Okay, yeah, you're more than welcome to in a second uh, once I get done playing this. Um, (laughs) No, this is a really good book. I love it. I think it's very funny. It's very easy to read. It's very good. Um, Yeah, it's just a really good book. You write other things. Check out Joel's things. Do you have like a publication or anything that you do, like anything personal that you do? Like a, what's that? What's that thing that people write they use? Stack something. Substack. Substack. No, but you know, Medium paid me to write a weekly column. So I've been for the last almost a year I've been writing a weekly column for Medium. Okay. Well, I mean, you're probably better at plugging the things that you do than I am. So tell people where they can find you and what you're working on. Yeah, they can read my Medium column, which is kind of the column I've been writing since college. So yeah. I wrote a Time Magazine for 20 years. Great. I have these two books. Um, Twitter.com, Twitter. Joel Stein. Yeah. I follow you. You follow me, I think. Yeah, of yeah. course. Yeah, since we, since we met. I really yeah. enjoyed talking to you. Yeah. Well, I really enjoyed talking to you. Thank you so much for coming on the well, show. Thanks for having me. This has been such a fun time. This is definitely unlike any other guest I've had before. What does that mean? It's a good well, thing. Ju- it's a good thing. Well, yeah. Why? Just because I haven't had any time Old columnist. Oh, okay. Uh, on the show before. Well, I have a podcast coming out in a few I was weeks. just going to oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. sorry. That's huge. Yeah, talk about that. <laughs> um, but whatever. It comes out... Uh, Pushkin, which is a podcast company, is putting mm-hmm. this out. Yeah. That's the Malcolm Gladwell podcast company. It's called Story of the Week. And all I do, it's so easy, is I find an amazing long magazine story. Okay. And I get the writer on. And basically, we have a conversation about that story. Okay. Basically, because I know people aren't going to read long magazine stories. So this is like a way yeah. of quickly, it's like 30, 20 to 30 minutes, I think. We haven't done, we yeah. haven't cut it down yet. But it's just going to be every week. It's called Story of the Week. And it's some magazine story you probably wish you read but didn't. Okay. Awesome. Go check out Joel's new podcast, Story of the Week. This, it's going to be just like this one. Just like this one. Yeah. Well, well, don't don't stop listening to this one, though, please. It's going to be your new yeah. podcast. Yeah. You can listen, add, to, add it, you can listen to, it. to multiple podcasts. you got to choose podcasts. You don't have to choose. There's you can only listen one. to both. <laughs> no one has time for two. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on the show. <laughs>
Everyone, that was Joel. What a lovely person. I, I was struggling there at the end because I don't know how to plug someone who's just a writer. Like, I, I don't <laughs> know how to tell people like, hey, go buy a magazine if you want. <laughs> like, mostly people are like, oh, yeah, here's my channel. Here's my social media. Here's the project that I'm working on. And he's just like, yeah, I write things for things that <laughs> I don't know. It was hard to plug him. But his books are really good. Um, I would definitely recommend reading his books. And if you happen upon his writing, he's very funny and he's a really good writer. So give it a read if you want. But um, yeah, Jamie, how do you think that went? I really enjoyed him. It was very, it's like just, it, it's nice to have someone on the show that's just like completely different from anyone you've ever had yeah. on. But like you guys flowed in conversation. Like I felt bad in the beginning. I had to like, I kept trying to interject to be like, stop talking so we could start the show. Cause yeah. This is good stuff. And then. <laughs> yeah. No, it was fun. It was, I was definitely nervous and anxious about it. Cause I've, I've always felt like pretty confident in my abilities as a host to be like, yeah, I can, I can lead the conversation and I can push it in directions that I want it to go. Um, but this was hard because he like this is the first time that I felt like, oh, he's probably a better interviewer and host than I am because he has done it for a very long time. He's interviewed people forever. That, that's his job to like do write pieces on. And he's talked to so many people. And I was like, ah, I feel like I'm on my heels here. Like he's uh, he's going to he's going to take over the show. No, I mean, <laughs> I'm going to be the interviewee. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, he was actually asking you a good amount of questions. Yeah. But... And it scared me. Well, because he's like, but you could talk about myself, but you could tell that it was like from a very like he's a very curious person. Yeah, which I think yeah. is why he makes him such a good writer and a good interviewer. We didn't get to it. It was on the sheet. But like he's had celebrities completely like hang up on him. Yeah. In interviews. I was reading. A, I was reading a part of his book and he was just he mentioned um, that casually that he's just friends with Jason Bateman. And I was like, he's probably talked to so many cool people and interviewed so many cool people. Like he was just like texting Jason Bateman about something. That's I was like, dope. what the frick? I love I Jason be, Bateman. I want to be friends with Jason Bateman. <laughs> I'm only I'm only friends with like imagine you just interview Jason Bateman and you become friends with him. The people that I've interviewed and become friends with are like Andrew <laughs> Sigils. Like how corny is that? That's my claim to fame is that I'm friends with Sigils. I I know he doesn't listen to the show. I'm gonna tell him about how I roasted him though. Uh yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna cut out that clip and send it to him. Good, do it, please. I really It'll will. He'll make his day. I think Freaking so. boomer. <laughs> um, I guess this is where I do the like the, outro. Yeah, this is uh cool. Well, the thanks. out part. Okay, I'm trying to do it. it. Hey, it's hey Trevor. Hey, it's the out part. Hey, can I just do it now? Okay. Thank you. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to Trevor Talks Too Much. Uh, you can find new episodes every Tuesday wherever you get your podcasts and new video versions of the episode that came out Tuesday the following Monday on YouTube.com slash Trevor Talks Too Much. Um, you can follow me and other things on social media if you want to. And there's also a TikTok where we post clips called Mythical Pods. And it's clips of all the different podcasts. And they're cool. And thank you for listening to Trevor Talks Too Much. And thank you. And I'll see you next time. Bye-bye. <laughs>